Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hello. I'm hoping I'm here. I'm having some technical difficulties today. Yes, I am here. Oh, good. Okay. Well, if I disappear for a minute, I promise you come back. I have turned off. Um, thanks, Reverend Roxy. Oops. I got I blinked out there. Thank you. Um, hi, Pooh Bear. That's Phil, right? I think Pooh Bear is Phil. Um, so anyway, I'm having some technical issues. If I pop off, I will come back. Um, if we're in the middle of meditation, just, you know, stay meditative. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to listen to Reverend Roxy in here. I, every two minutes or so, I've been talking. So I have now turned off everything that is internet related except for the computer I am on. So hopefully that will, um, resolve a lot of the issues there. So there we go. Um, so anyway, hi Iris. I was there's a lot of people in here today. It's good seeing everybody. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm Reverend Kelly. That's actually how I've got for my nickname too, Reverend Kelly Halleck. Um, I am the assistant minister at Community Miracle Center in San Francisco. So I am actually here at work right now sharing with you. And actually my dog Curie just came in, so apparently she's going to share this time with us also. Um, I say, if you ever get an email from me, there's a picture of her and I um, on the email. I always include her because she's kind of our little office greeter. So I had come up with a name for this program and then changed it, but I don't think it's showing up yet, which is just simply Life Reinvented. Oh, what's her name? Her name's Curie. So um, it's like Madame Curie. So when she was rescued, they said she was a wise soul, like Madame Curie. So that's where she got that. Um, The name I've come up with for the program is called Life Reinvented with Reverend Kelly. Um, And the reason I chose that is actually on my website and it's on my Facebook. That's kind of my theme um, of everything I do um, in terms of outreach and different things I do. Because I really believe and have experienced that applying spiritual principles can change literally every aspect of your life. Um, I've studied conservative Christianity. I'm currently studying some shamanism. Um, I'm an ordained, of course, in miracles minister through Community Miracles Center here where I work, um, as well as I've studied science of mind, and I know there's a couple other things, but I'm just blanking on them. So <laughs> I had, I had, oh, some Buddhism, too, in there. Um, so that's been kind of my studies, but that has led me on a journey of um, everything from releasing about 100 pounds from my body. I've completely changed my relationships with my family members. Um, I went through a divorce. I've had two career changes. And it just every step has made things better um, in terms of my personal experience. It made me a happier um, person and really starting to learn where I can find peace from within instead of having to look to external circumstances. And so, for me, that's really the heart of um, Course in Miracles is it talks about, you know, I love the lesson, you know, God, God's plan for, God, God wills for us to be happy. 
And I really believe that that is true, and I believe that applying the spiritual principles are the basis for that. So my intention is each month to do a different topic. Right now I just decided this is going to be the second week I've been in this time slot. I actually filled in for Reverend Tony um, on his Friday night show, but I just talked about stages of spiritual growth there. Um, But this month, for this particular hour, I've been talking about letting go of fear. What is fear? Where does it come from? What's its alternative? And how do we get there? Um, And the reason I chose that was because it's the month of Halloween. So it, for some reason, just struck a chord with me, and I decided to go with it. Because I really think, you know, if we can let go of fear, that is the transformational stage for all of our lives. That is really... Um, letting go of fear really empowers us to live the lives as we're led by spirit. So I'd like to start off with, I am a meditator. I love to meditate. I love it, love it, love it. I actually teach our meditation class here at Community Miracle Center. And so I kind of want to start off with a meditation. um, And then I have some different passages from Course in Miracles I'd like to talk about. And then lead you through a little process and... We'll close, and that should pretty much take most of the, um, I've never seen that little goblin, Phil. That's cute. Um, that should take us most of the hour. I definitely would love to hear your input. If you want to talk, um, raise your hand. It's also good to just note in the chat area, you've got your hand up, because I have my notes kind of covering part of the screen, so I can't necessarily see the um, microphone area. But I'm definitely open to... You know that, if you would just like to put notes in the comment area, I can always read and respond to those also. I fear this is kind of, you know, it's a, a time for us to join together and to work together with this. So I'm going to start off. I should have, hopefully this will work, um, a little music. I always like to do some music in the background, and we'll do a meditation to start. Um, obviously, if you're driving or you're in the middle of cooking dinner, I know in California we're a little early for di- dinner time. But, um, you know, if you're able to join, do. If not, just at least listen, and then we'll get going. So I'm just going to offer and invite you to uncross your hands and your feet if you're able to. Just take a nice, deep breath. With the intention of a meditation like this, is just to kind of get us present, get us grounded. So take two or three nice deep breaths in and out. Just allow yourself to just get totally present. Feel the feeling of your feet on the floor or wherever they're at. Notice the sensation of your legs. Now, if you're seated, you might notice there's pressure from the seat you're sitting on. If you're standing, maybe one leg will be a little more stiff than the other. Going up to the hips, the back. Just allow the shoulders to relax. Line the arms to relax neck going all the way up to the tip of the head. So we're just allowing ourselves by focusing on the body to just become present, to allow ourselves to experience this moment 
just simply as it is. And invite you to picture a ball of light. Like I say, it's an amethyst purple color. It's in the center of your heart space. This ball of light is maybe about the size of a tennis ball. It's circling clockwise. choosing purple today. Purple is said to be the color of transformation. So we're allowing that space, that color, that light to just begin to expand, filling the entire torso with each exhale, this bright, sparkling purple light fills our tummy area, fills all the organs. Continues out to fill the shoulders, the arms, going down to the fingertips. This purple light fills, goes past the hips, down into the legs, past the knees, past the calves, into our toes. This light continues to fill the body experience of the body up all the way to the top of our head so that every cell, every atom, every muscle, everything that we identify as part of our body is completely filled with this transformative light. We just continue to allow that purple light to expand even beyond our bodies. To expand to that area, it's about three feet all around, three feet above, three feet below, in front and back to each side. This is what some refer to as the auric field, the personal aura. We just allow that to expand, to be completely cleansed and filled with this purple light, recognizing that the you that is extends beyond what we see as the body. And with each exhale, we just continue to allow that light to expand. If there's others near you, maybe you visualize that purple light joining with the purple light of others. The light continues to expand and fill the room that you're in or the car, wherever you're at. We just visualize that purple light continuing to expand. There's nothing that's magical about this light. It just is a visual representation of the energy and spirit that is in and is the creation of everything. We see that light continue to fill your city, wherever you're at, your state the country and the continent where you may find yourself. And we allow that purple light to continue filling the entire earth and not even being limited by the earth, but continuing to expand outward, filling the heavens, the skies, the galaxies. So everything that we see and beyond is just filled with this pure purple light. And it represents the oneness that everything is pure, that everything is joined in spirit. 
I just give you a moment here to allow yourself to sit with that, to allow yourself to be present to the oneness of everything. thoughts of worry, concern, upset, even any thoughts of happiness, of fun, of busyness, just to kind of become quiet and allow yourself to experience feeling the energy that you are joined with all other beings. And slowly just allow yourself to come back not that the spirit is receding, but we're just going to allow that visual to come back so that we can come a little more present to who we are in this experience, allowing the energy to flow back to the space that we're in, allowing the space to that light to come to within ourselves, knowing that light is just a visual representation of the spirit of the God that is within. And that light is always with us. It's always around us. It's always through us. And it represents the oneness of everything. So we just give thanks for this day. We give gratitude that we're able to join together. That we're able to spend time here on ACIM Gather Together. Allowing ourselves to release any thoughts of business, any worries, concerns. Maybe any self-beliefs we have that we are not worthy. We just allow ourselves to be wholly present to this moment, knowing that we are children of God, knowing that we are exactly where we're supposed to be at this moment. So with with grace and gratitude, we allow it to be. Allow yourself, wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers, stretch, whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> Just make sure you're present, especially if you're driving or anything. Make sure, make sure you're not zoning out on me too much there. So, like I said, I do believe, I did a talk actually on meditation and prayer. And kind of my, my understanding, or I would say my belief, is that prayer is the opportunity for us to share with God and to bring our thoughts in alignment with spirit, whereas meditation gives us the opportunity to open up to the teachings of God and to open up to what spirit might have to say to us. So it's kind of like a two-way conversation. The, the meditation is the receiving part, and the prayer is more the giving part, I would say. So that's kind of my view. And so I always try to include both when I'm doing a meditation or a prayer. Um, I may not specifically state that, but that's kind of how I do it so that I feel a little balanced. I I know personally I tend to be more of a meditator than a prayer, but um, they're both pretty awesome. So, thank you for doing that with me. I'm glad to see everybody here still. And so, I'll talk for a few, and like I said, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to have you um, share and give me anything else you're thinking of. Um, As I mentioned, so for the month of October, I decided to look at the idea of fear. Um, just simply, honestly, it came up because I was like, what am I doing October, October? Halloween. Um, and I looked at just what's the history of Halloween. It's interesting. 
Um, and I totally know I'm going to mispronounce this probably, but it's the Gales or the Gaels. Um, many, many years ago, <laughs> we'll say that. Um, kind of their belief was that on October, you know, this time of year between the fall and the winter um, was when the veil of separation between the spirit world and the human world was the thinnest. And so that was partially where the idea of Halloween came, that they were trying to ward off the spirits because if the spirits came from the spirit world, um, they were going to come out and basically go after the living, um, attack the living. And so the thought was, well, if I, if I dress up like a ghost, if I dress up like a skeleton, if I dress up like a dead thing, then these ghosts won't go after me because I'm already dead. You know, the dead, the dead are hard to kill. So, <laughs> um, yeah, which is interesting because I'd heard about different theories. I hadn't actually heard about that part of the background. Um, and I think it's an interesting concept to see that, you know, they developed this holiday around the fear that the spirit world was going to cross over into the human world. And I think it's, I, I find it interesting because I think, of course, in miracles and many other paths of study, Buddhism includes it, included, the teaching is, is that the spirit world is the physical world. The physical world isn't really the truth of our, you know, what is, but that rather we are just kind of manifesting the experience. We're manifesting the belief or the illusion of it. And so I find that kind of interesting that they were afraid of those two co-mixing, whereas Course in Miracles and, like I said, other, other, other thought systems teach that those two systems are one and the same. Um, and so that's where the fear of, you know, specifically Halloween came from. Um, I've got a, I guess I was saying last time, it's my spiritual great-grand, I guess my spiritual, yeah, my spiritual great-grandmother. Um, so not, not by birth, but my teacher's, my, my former teacher's teacher's teacher um, is a Cherokee chief. And she taught oh, the only two fears that we're born with is falling and loud noises. And I guess that's actually taught in a lot of other traditions, too. Um, she said all other fears are learned. Um, that we're actually not born with most of the fears that we exhibit, that they're learned either culturally or through um, the experience of what we believe is happening to us. So I'm going to put a little quote here from the course. Um, this was actually what we talked about last week. And it's kind of how I'm breaking up the month of um, October. I actually started this particular hour time slot last, last week. Um, and so it's, it's chapter two of the original edition. So these steps can be summarized as follows. It's talking about moving past fear. It says, know first that this is fear. And so that's going to be, ooh, that, did, that typed up very oddly. Oh, I see what it did. That's going to be week one. There's supposed to be a space there that didn't show. <laughs> um, and that fear arises from the lack of love. So last week I talked a bit about the cause of fear, um, about you know, it talks about fear comes from our mind. I'm going to put that up in just a moment. Um, so that was kind of last week. This week I want to talk about this, this one. It says, you know, fear. So it's week, week sorry, it's section 18. Um, the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. So what does the Course mean when it says perfect love? What is perfect love? And then next week we'll talk about, it says perfect love is the atonement. And for me that's the um, remedying or getting rid of the fear. And so we're going to kind of focus on that third part there. Sorry about the spacing. Um, the third part is that the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. So again, talking a little bit about last week, this was a quote also from Ben. 
says, everyone experiences fear and no one enjoys it. Oh, my goodness. Is that not true? I mean, some people say they love, you know, you know there's like thrill fest at the, at the Magic Mountain or whatever right now. Um, but, you know, in terms of personal fear, no one enjoys it. Yet it would take very little right thinking to realize why fear occurs. Very few people appreciate the real power of the mind, and no one remains fully aware of it all the time. The mind is a very powerful creator, and it never loses its creative force. It never sleeps every instant it is creating. Um, so that was just one, one little verse we talked about last week, is, you know, that fear is a product of the mind. Um, and I'm going to put up, there's a little link here. I just did this blog, actually, this last week, um, and this is on my personal website. And I put my, my, it's called My Mind Alone Does Not Create My Experience. Um, and I talked about that a little bit last week, and so I'm not going to get into it this week too much. But I don't believe, you know, when the Course talks about our mind is creating, I don't believe that is limited to the mind that we think of in terms of the brain. It's not the mind we think of as in terms of thoughts. Um, there's a particular passage that I reference in that blog that talks about the conscious thinking mind, um, and how lazy we are in controlling it. It talks about the subconscious mind, um, and it basically says that's, you know, and I think that's, I think we, we commonly, or I think it says the unconscious mind, but I think it's what we commonly refer to as the subconscious mind, um, thoughts and beliefs that we as apparently human beings, as human individuals, um, hold that can significantly affect our experience. And then also by, um, kind of by exclusion by saying, well, there's this one aspect, it infers there's a second aspect, which I believe is more the universal consciousness, um, what I would call kind of like the, the, the spirit mind or the, the all-present mind, the mind that we share as um, all beings. And so if you're interested in, per, in perusing that lecture, like I said, that was more, we talked about that last week. You can always listen to my talk from last week. Um, it's on a few different places, including on my website. I, I, my website's quite active there. Um, but, yeah, I just like I mentioned that, that, uh, yeah, I do think it talks about fear. So this week, like I said, I want to talk about this third part, saying the only remedy for love, for lack of love, is perfect love. And it says, you know, and why are we talking about lack of love? Because fear arises when there's a lack of love. So you have fear. Well, actually, let's, let's rephrase that. There's a lack of love. You have fear. And so the solution is perfect love. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, what's the course say is perfect love? And, of course, what's the course do? It referenced love all over the place. Oops, I think I just actually gave you the, um, sorry, the wrong quote there. Um, <laughs> I love why I'm like, ooh, I just post pasted the wrong thing. There we go. Sorry. Oh, no, it wasn't. Okay, it was the right one. I just forgot about that. Um, so just starting off here, it's, it's, you know, this is right in Chapter 1. I can't put these in order of the chapters somewhat. Um, so if perfect love casts out fear and fear exists, then there is not perfect love. So basically they're mutually exclusive. You can't have fear and you can't have perfect love. Now, if you say, well, yeah, I'm in some form of love, but I'm fearful, you know, it's not perfect love. And I've, I've had the experience, you know, I, I always thought, yeah, I mean, I've heard about women who get, like, in abusive situations, and they say, I'll say I've had family members who said, who were, who were in abusive situations and said, but I love him, I'm going to stay, and yet I knew they were living in terror, and I never understood that. And then 
I got into it was it wasn't a romantic relationship, but it was a, a um, friendship a few years back, and I found there was so much fear in that relationship. I realized, you know, at one point when I came to the Community Miracle Center, Reverend Tony kept saying, "Hey, let's go out for lunch," and initially I was terrified. Oh my gosh, he wants to go out for lunch, and then I realized every time my friend used to say, "Let's go out for lunch," it was a situation where I would sit and they would tell me everything they thought was wrong with me. And so I realized, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, there was so much fear there. There was so much fear in that relationship. And yet people said to me, I remember people saying to me, you know, you shouldn't be letting this person treat you this way at times. And I thought, but I love him. I, 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 you know, he's my friend. I love him. And it was like I was oblivious to how much fear there was. But obviously that love wasn't a pure love because I was still in fear. And so you come to the state, and, you know, it gets kind of, I, I think, you know, the, the course can get very metaphysical. It says, you know, if there's fear, it creates a state in which it doesn't exist. So it's like, you know, there's a part of it that goes, okay, fear doesn't really exist, but gosh darn it, when you're experiencing it, <laughs> it's really hard to say, you know, it's not real when you're experiencing it. My little dog, she's adorable. She's about 18 pounds. She, there are certain noises she doesn't like. She doesn't like the noise of metal banging against each other. She doesn't like thunder. Oh, my goodness. Thunder is the worst. Um, we accidentally, we, we do a, a Course in Miracles version of communion here at Community Miracle Center the first Sunday of each month. The communion glasses fell down one day and broke. She was completely across the room when these glasses broke. And I'll tell you, for the next hour, I had to hold her because my dog was perching on my shoulder like a parrot, shaking. And I'm saying to her, honey, there's nothing to be afraid of. And yet she had no concept that that fear wasn't real because it was what she was experiencing. So I think the course, like I said, it does get a little metaphysical. So I think, you know, it says if there's fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Okay, fear doesn't exist. Great. That's nice to know. Um, but be gentle with yourself. <laughs> you know, if, if you're in fear, don't be like, well, you know, you should be experiencing that. It's not real. Um, you know, if you're experiencing, you're experiencing it. And there's opportunities to look at that, and there's opportunities to heal that. But don't get angry at yourself because you're experiencing what may not really be there. You think it's there, you think it's there. So coming back to where I started to go, and I lost my spot for a moment. Um, what is perfect love? Okay, I, want, I don't want to be in fear. I want perfect love. And, of course, what's the course do right at the beginning? Yeah, it's this big, big word that's used all through the course hundreds and hundreds of times the word love what's love what's love and it says the course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love for that's what can be taught can what for that is what can for that's beyond there we go for that's beyond what can be taught it does aim however at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence which is your natural inheritance the opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. So, again, that's similar to that section right above it. But this is just, for me, this is a very typical course. I'm going to use a word a lot, but I'm not going to define it. Um, <laughs> and it's like I get it because I think love is an experience um, in some ways. It's something that's beyond what we can describe in, um, sorry, excuse me, beyond what we can describe in words in the, you know, certain, certain, I am like losing my vocabulary today, in the current <laughs> condition that we find ourselves. Um, 
So I'm like, okay, well, if love can't be taught, I want to can't, I don't want to be in fear. The remedy to experiencing fear is to experience love, to not experience the illusion. But then it says, well, you can't, I can't, I can't tell you what that is. So I thought, okay, well, let's look at what, you know, other things that the Course says about, um, it says, the, you know, removing the blocks to the awareness of love presence is your natural inheritance. So I decided to kind of play with that phrase, your natural inheritance. Because I'm thinking if I can find out what the inheritance is, I can understand better what the experience is of having the blocks to love removed. So it's kind of a little, you know, the Course isn't going to say what love is, and I don't think we'll fully under, ever ex- understand it as we now are. But maybe I can understand some of the experience of that. This one I love. This is the only so I kind of did these in order um, with a couple of exclusions. But it says, perceiving the majesty of God as your brother is to accept your own inheritance. Perceiving the majesty of God as your brother is to accept your inheritance. That one's one of those I think, you know, I, I think it can be challenging. Perceiving the majesty of God as your brother. To look at your brother and say, that is God in all its majesty. That is God. That is the loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-whatever. That is that God, however you, you know, understand God to be. All the majesty of that thing that is God, is that person in front of him, in front of me? who's making me really mad. <laughs> and not only is the person making me mad, but they're happy they're making me mad. Have you ever had that experience where you say, you know, dude, you're being a jerk, and they're like, yeah, it's awesome, you know? Um, and that's, like, so challenging. <laughs> True, my Lord. It's so challenging when, you know, it's like not only is this person bothering you, but they're gloating in it. They're happy that you're upset. And it's saying, you know, to accept your inheritance is to look at that person and go, that's the majesty of God. And I think, you know, does that mean that I'm saying, oh, that person is fabulous. They acted like a jerk. (laughs) Personally, I don't think so. Um, I think we understand that they're the character in a play, that they're performing a part in a dream. And we look beyond. Sometimes the actions may not reflect who they really are. But we still look at that person and say, that is the majesty of God being, um, expressing itself as itself. So this next section, it's actually four verses, but this is a little long, so I'm going to go one by one. It says, sin is not error, for it goes beyond correction to impossibility. Yet the belief that it is real has made some error seem forever past, the hope of healing and lasting grounds for hell. If this were so, would heaven be opposed by its own opposite as real as it is? That was the last sentence, a little, little goofy, but um, I'm like, every so often I'll read the courses. You know, Jesus will say something like, oh, this is so easy if you weren't resistant to it. And I'm like, there was like a page and a half that was one paragraph with triple negatives in it. <laughs> Yeah, so first off, I'll read them. I go, okay, well, let's skip that sentence. Um, but really, look at, for, in particular, this first sentence here. It says, sin is not error, for it goes beyond correction to impossibility. 
that's kind of a big issue when you're looking at how do I see my brother as the majesty of God? How do I see my brother as, you know, God being itself? Is we realize that those things that we see as sin in our brother aren't real. I want to pull up real quick here. I'm trying to grab something on the net for you. Yeah, here it is. So this is, um, I might pull this up. This is from, I don't know where it's from. We'll just say that. I don't know where it's from. It's from the Internet. It's from Google. <laughs> um, which is just a definition of sin. And it says an offense against religious or moral law. First of all, religious or moral law is all, basically when you're talking religious and moral law, it's pretty much human-based. It's what we've decided to make it. Um, an action that is or felt to be highly reprehensible. It's the, I'm deciding what's right and wrong. As often serious shortcoming, a transgression of the law of God, a vitiated, oh my goodness, state of human nature in which the self is estranged from God. So, you know, we're, we're looking at an, a sin. We're basically looking at these types of things and saying, you know, th- this person's broken a law. This person's done wrong. This person's, and we're making that as if that's the truth of the person. And the thing is, is we can't do, we can't break God's law because we are God. So that to break the law would be to break our, you know, break our own selves. I don't know how to say that better. Um, I always had the struggle within Christianity. People would say, well, we can sin in Christianity. Um, and I say that extensively. If this wasn't, if you had Christian background, this isn't what you were taught. That's great. I'm just telling you this was my experience. I thought, like, well, we have free will. So, yeah, we can, even though God created us in his image and God's perfect and God's holy, God's created people with free will. And I thought, okay, even if we have free will, if we're created by a perfect God, why would we make the wrong choice? Why would we choose sin? If we're created by a perfect God, how could we be created to make imperfect choices? And that was one thing I was never able to get an answer to, um, which is why I really like the course, which is simply says, you know, we didn't choose imperfectly. We may have the appearance of it. We may think we did. And yet all things are working together for us. All things are organized by spirit. And since it's not real, even though we may have an experience of choosing wrong, maybe we do something that keeps us in the dream world longer. We didn't break God. We didn't, we didn't cause God to screw up. It's not possible. And so with sin, we realize, oh, wait, sin, sin, sins does, sin can't be. And this continues. It says, sins are beliefs which you impose between your brother and yourself. They limit you to time and place and give a little space to you, another little space to him. The separating off is symbolized in your perception by a body, which is clearly separate and a thing apart. Yet what the symbol represents is but your wish to be apart and separate. Forgiveness takes away what stands between your brother and yourself. What stands between our brother and myself is this image of the body, thinking that he sinned. He sinned against me. It is the wish that you be joined with him and not apart. That's forgiveness. We call it wish because it still conceives of other choices and has not yet reached beyond the world of choice entirely. Um, last time I spoke, somebody said, well, do you always choose what you want? And I thought, no. You know, what I want is I'd love to be awake. I'd love to be out of this body. I'd love to be done with this. <laughs> I'd love to not have fear. Um, 
you know, and yet we make choices that are not consistent with that for various reasons. But here it just says, you know, sins, are, sins aren't things we do. Sins aren't things where we've broken God, we've broken rules, we've separated ourselves from God. Sins, in, in this definition, says sins are beliefs which you impose between you and your brother. And that goes all the way back up to that first little quote I gave, gave you here. What is accepting our own inheritance is perceiving the majesty of God as my brother. And when I receive my inheritance, I'm able to remove the blocks to love. And so here it's talking about sins or beliefs which you impose between your brother and yourself. You have a thought that you know everything there is to know. And this is it limits you a time and place. I know that what my brother did was wrong. I know he shouldn't have done that. How crazy is that? We think we know, but how many times have you said, oh, my gosh, that was such a horrible thing? I shared last week, or I think I've, I think I've shared a couple times. <laughs> um, when I went through my divorce, I went through a divorce about four years ago, it felt like the end of my world. I was like, God's going to hate me. My family's going to hate me. I'm so ashamed. I didn't want to write the word miss because I was like, you know, or check the, you know, they don't just say married or single. It's married, single, divorced. And I'm like, oh, I have to mark the divorce box now. That was like the worst thing when it first started. When I first got divorced was just putting that little check mark. There was so much shame there. And now it's like I look back four years later and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my divorce was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. There was so much freedom that came from it. It got me really focused back on the spiritual path. There was so much healing that came from it. There was so much growth and change that came from it. And yet, so often we'll sit there and say, you know, my brother shouldn't have done that. My brother sinned against me. My brother was wrong. And yet we don't know. We don't know. Everything we think is limited by time. It's limited by our little experience. And I believe we can, to an extent, reach within. And, you know, I think part of meditation is coming into connection with that universal spirit, within, with God, with consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But typically when we're angry, we're not contemplating what would spirit have me think. Usually when we're angry, we're just in the moment and ticked off. And we're thinking all the stuff we can about this person in the past. And we're attacking them for it, claiming that we know. And we don't know. And because we don't know, we're taking this, you know, just thought that's probably not true and using it to separate ourselves from our brother. And we're not seeing the majesty of him. And when we're not seeing the majesty of God in our brother, is when we're not experiencing our inheritance. When we're not experiencing the inheritance, we don't have pure love. We don't have perfect love. Which again, coming back to why we're talking about this today, if we don't have that perfect love, we're in fear. And so that's one of the big places that fear comes from, is looking at my brother and making a story, saying, I know what should or shouldn't have happened. I know what should be. I know who should have done what. And yet we don't know. And that can be a really calming thing to just acknowledge, I don't know what this is for. But I know that spirit does. One of my favorite verses in the, in the course, I can't remember where it is. I'm totally going to misquote it slightly, I'm sure. 
says, you know, what would you do if you but knew that everything was gently planned for your good? And that, for you to know that it's gently planned for your good, takes an acknowledgement and a willingness to let go of hanging on to, yes, hanging on to that thought that I know. Uh, Iris just put a note says, all changes are helpful for the development of trust. Manual for teachers. I love, I've been on a kick with the manual for teachers recently. Yeah, all changes are helpful. To know that I don't need to know is such a joy. Yep, hum, humble poo there. It's a joy, and I would say it's even beyond a joy. It's a peace. It's a peacefulness. Because how often, and I tend to be a thinker, and I get grumbled with that sometimes because I talk about the same speed I think, and some people say I talk too fast. Because <laughs> um, my mind is always going. I'm always thinking. I'm always like da-da-da-da-da in my head. And to be able to stop and say, I don't need to know. I don't need to know what the past was for so I can stop analyzing it. I can let go of trying to worry to control my brother and control circumstances in the future because I don't know what's going to happen anyway. Let's be honest. How many times have we tried to plan the future and that sucker has blown up on us like, you know, a keg of powder in a fireworks store or something, you know? I can't even think of a good illustration there. But you know what I'm saying? You know, as soon as, as, as soon as you say, this is my plan, somebody sent me once, they said, you know, how, how do you make God laugh? You tell, him his, you tell it your plans. And I'll tell you, that was my experience this last year and a half. My intention was, in the last year and a half, I was going to live in Hollywood for the rest of my life. I was going to work at the church I was at. I was going to be best friends with a couple of gentlemen who were like brothers to me. I was going to be um, traveling the country overseeing the establishment of several New Thought churches. I was going to continue. I was actually probably going to move to a one-bedroom in West Hollywood was kind of my thought. I was going to continue working out at a specific gym with a specific trainer. I had the whole thing planned. Up to probably almost when I died. Like, I knew who I was going to be hanging out with when I was 70 years old. I'm like 43 right now. And everything blew up. I lost all of that stuff I just said in a five-minute conversation last August. I lost every single one of those items in a five-minute conversation last year. Totally didn't expect it. And it was heartbreaking because I thought I knew what was going to be in my future. And I went into so much fear. I went into so much fear. And I'll say I didn't see the majesty of my brother in that. I was pissed at him. I was really pissed. I'll say it. Um, yeah, and you got to laugh because at the time, I'll tell you, I didn't laugh. I stayed in bed for about two weeks and cried. I, I, didn't, I didn't get out of bed for like two weeks except for I take my dog out to do her business. Um, and now I look back at it, and I'm like, that was probably the greatest lesson for me coming out of that, was I didn't know. I didn't know. I couldn't know. And I still don't know what's going to happen in the future. Now it's funny because people say to me, oh, you're going to be, you're going to stay at the Community Miracle Center, and, you know, we can do this, and you can do this. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, we can plan. We can, we, can, we can make some plans, but I ain't promising you I'm going to be here in five years. Because God and Spirit... 
just, you know, you never know. Okay, my year was like that too, but, you know, people I know who do not do the course plan their lives and it works out. Only course brothers I know have these experiences of constant unknowing. Is it just the path we choose? Um, yeah, disillusion sort of like leaves you leaving, feeling disillusioned, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'll say there's a lot of people, and I don't want to try, I'm, I'm not going to pronounce your name. I'm just going to call you V if you don't mind, because I know I'm not going to pronounce that right. Um, so V, um, I'll say there's a lot of course people I know who things don't work out. Um, one of my friends just posted on Facebook today. It's the one-year anniversary that she lost her best friend. And he was somebody, not a course student, um, very wealthy. He was a makeup artist for the stars, made you know, not uncommon to make three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a day doing makeup for people. Um, and a year ago today, he committed suicide, killed himself, because things weren't working the way he thought they should. Um, I'll tell you, my parents are not course students. There's a lot of things that haven't worked out the way they should. But here's what I would say is different. Um, isn't that they that things necessarily go the way they planned, but that we're more aware of it. I think that's the big difference. There's sometimes, you know, when life's going badly and not going the way you planned, but you're used to it not going the way you planned, and you just think that's how life is, you're not as conscious and aware that it's not going how you planned. It's just like, ah, oh, crap, crap always happens. Whereas I think with course students, we're so, and someone's very, very analytical, and we're very aware, or at least in my experience, I would say students who are really into the course are very, very conscious of what their experience is and what they're going through. And so then they are much more aware of, oh, I had these expectations, I had these thoughts. They were uh, not met. And so now what does that mean? And so I think we tend to be more aware of the things not going the way we planned and analyzing the plans and analyzing why we planned the non-course students. And it's not that things work out worse for us, but that we're just more aware of it. It's, um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, and the one guy, you know, they take, the, they take either the blue pill or the red pill, and once they take the one... I think it's the blue pill. They're aware of, you know, this whole thing going on. And the one guy finally says, you know, he, he's at dinner. And he says, you know, I just, I want to go back. I don't, wanna, I don't want to be aware anymore. I just want to go back. I want to take the pill and forget about all this stuff. And I think that's the, the, the journey of the course student is sometimes you look at that and you go, whoa, I, this sucks because you see this stuff. And yet, I really believe the way we work through seeing the crap is we have to see it first. We have to be aware of it. I'll tell you, people who are hoarders don't realize how much stuff they have. You can't get through their houses, and they don't even realize it because they've gotten used to living with all the trash. But when you look and you turn on the light and you're willing to remove the trash, you suddenly become very aware of it. Um. Yeah, so Iris said, you know, oh, here it is. This, this is the quote I was referencing earlier. What could you not accept if you but knew that everything that happens, all events, past, present, to come, are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good? That is like my, probably about my favorite quote 
in the whole text, or actually that's in the lessons. Um, <laughs> pieces law, I analyzed what it did not work out, why it, I, it did not work out again until I remember the course, then I give up. Yeah, give me that pill, <laughs> the blue pill. Yeah, um, yeah, and sometimes I think the analyzing is where we get ch- tangled up, is we got to go back and say, okay, crap happened. And I don't think, you know, there's a lot of theory of, you know, discussion of, and and you hear a lot of like, well, our experience is a reflection of our thoughts. We create our experience. You hear that a lot. And um, one of my favorite teachers, I'll say, you cannot be offended by swearing. If you ever listen to Jacob Glass, um, who is kind of funny, he'll, he'll, he'll be very honest. Um, he actually substitutes for Marianne Williamson in Southern California when she's not teaching in Southern California. Um, and he'll, he's really honest. He teaches the parts of the course he likes. The parts of the course he doesn't like, he just doesn't work with. He just throws them out. He's like, I want to be happy, and I'm throwing out the stuff I don't like. Um, so I mean, he, he, he's, he's a character. He swears a lot um, in his talks, but he's, he's, he's really honest. I really like him. Um, And one of the things that he talks about, oh my goodness, let me think, let me think. I just lost time. Oh, is he talks about, is he says, you know, we can get so tied up in analyzing and we can get so obsessed with why did this happen? What was I thinking that created this experience? You know, what was the, and he says, you know, darn it, give that, give that stuff up. Stop analyzing the heck out of it and just figure, or not figure out, but be open to what, yeah, analysis paralysis, exactly. Be open to what can you do in this moment to live the will of God for you, which is to be happy. Yeah, like I said, if, if you get a chance, read that blog. I'll, I'll repost it. and Actually, I'll just repost it now. Um, where I talk about the three conscious minds. And I honestly, I think, you know, probably the most powerful part of mind is the mind of spirit, the mind of God. And it's the one that consciously we have probably the least control over. And so, like I said, Jacob Lashley says, you know what, gosh darn it, deal with what you can deal with. Crap happens. (laughs) That's not what he would say exactly, but crap happens. So the question is, is it's happened now, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, exactly, jacobclass.com. He's like I said, if, if you don't like swearing, don't listen to him. But he is really, um, he's fun. So, um, yeah. Okay, I skipped around on my notes, sorry. So one of the things I talked about last week, I want to kind of give you a couple of little thoughts here before we go. We're getting starting to run a little short on time here. Um, last week I talked about, you know, I said, what is fear? And the first part of that one section says, know first that this is fear. When you're looking at something, know it's fear. And I said, go, you know, and I, here I just called it going to the why of the why of the why. Maybe you're angry. Okay, I'll say, situation with my friend. I've, I've really had to work through a lot of anger at this friend. Really, really angry at this friend. And I've had to say to myself, why am I so angry at him? And then I'll come up with, well, he told me I wasn't going to be a good teacher. He told me that so-and-so was better than me. He told me that, da 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 um, And then it's like, well, why do those things matter? And so I just keep going, why? Why does it upset me that he said, 
I wouldn't be a good teacher. Well, it makes me mad because I wanted his validation. I wanted him to approve of me. Well, why was that important? Because I didn't approve of myself. Well, why didn't I approve of myself? Because I was, you know, afraid that, you know, things I had been told in the past that I wasn't good enough, that I was a sinner, were true. Somehow, it almost always comes back to fear. And I, I will say, ultimately, everything comes back to fear. But that's one process you can use when you're, like, feeling angry or feeling upset. Realize fear is the opposite of love. So if you go to the why of the why of the why, why am I feeling this way? Okay, there's explanation one. Well, why am I feeling that? Why is that happening? And you just keep going with um, the why is that. And then the second thing, and this is Byron Katie, who I love. She's not, um, but she doesn't really say the course from what, I'm, what I've been told. Um, but she'll say, you know, go to is that thought true? A lot of times we'll find when we're not seeing the magnificence of God in our brother, the thought is probably not true. My friend didn't like me. That's why he told me that. Well, do I know he didn't like me? Um, no. Does she? Okay, I've never heard her talk about the course. Interesting. Okay, Lynn Johnson just said, yeah, she does talk about the course, and she quotes it. Okay. I've never heard her do that, so that's awesome. Um, is that thought true? And we'll find so much of the time our fears are based on thoughts that we really don't know are true. I'm afraid that I'll be alone if this person didn't stay as my friend. Well, do I know it's true that I'm going to be alone without him? Um, do I know I'm not better without him? And then I like the second part. Is there a different thought that is as true or truer than the one that I have that's based in fear. I have a thought that's based in fear, and it's probably not true. I'll say it's abs- actually absolutely not true. Is there something I can think of that's true? I will be alone if, yeah, I'm just talking about this friend. I will be alone if, when I grow old, if this person doesn't stay my friend. Well, what's a different thought? I have God who's always thought. It's a much happier thought. I asked the why question, is asking for more hell. Um, it can be if you don't feel it. And it's if I would say more so if you ask the why about someone else. Being to, okay, am I back? Somebody wave at me. <laughs> we did get 55 minutes before I dropped. Am I here? Yay, I'm back. Okay. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Iris. Um, oh, boy, that was, hey, we went 50, 55 minutes before I lost you. Um, Since so it's good to differentiate asking why from a spirit of injury rather than demand. Yeah, and I would say differentiate asking why from a spirit of wanting to heal than, um, oh, inquiry, from a spirit of inquiry. Yeah, okay, there we go. I don't understand course students into Byron Katie. Um. I like her because she challenges you to look at your thoughts, which I think is what the course is all about. Is it true? Only if we believe it. Um, 
Well, I would say even if we believe it, it doesn't have to be true. You can believe a lot of things that are that you think are true that really aren't true. I believe that person was a jerk to me. <laughs> or I believe he is a jerk. Um, and, and the further I've gotten away from it, I realize that's not what was going on. We believe a lot of things that aren't true. So, well, I say we're almost out of time, and I lost the connection there. So I do want to give you a couple links really quickly. Um, I spell, I think that's I spell bad sometimes. <laughs> um, that's my personal website. Um, I've got blogs there. All of my talks, both at Community Miracle Center and on ACM Gather, are going up on that webpage, as well as I blog about about once a week. Um, and like I said, I did talk about different consciousnesses this last week. It was a little bit hypothetical, but it was pretty cool. Um, and that is the link there for Community Miracle Center, which is, like I said, that's where I am the assistant minister. I'm full-time here. Oh, my goodness. There are hundreds of articles based on A Course in Miracles on that website. We have a bookstore that has over 300 items, including the new 2017 wall calendars, which are gorgeous. Um, we also have classes here. Oh, my goodness, there's so much stuff on there. And there's more information about ACM Gather on that site, too. So those are just two sites to give you. Um, let me do a little closing prayer because I want to send lots of love and blessings before we log off. Um, and I'll be here next week, too, of course. And we'll be talking, I'm going to be talking about um, really looking at ways of healing and letting go of the fear. So we kind of, like, looked at what is fear, what is the absence of fear, um, and I really want to work with some practices, actually. We'll probably do some of the Byron Katie stuff um, and some other just processes that I have found really effective to bring myself back into a place of peace. So I'm going to just put my hand on my heart, and if you would like to also, um, that would be great. That would be um, up to you if, if that feels good to you. And I always like to have a little music and I on this system, so um, maybe. We'll see. Yep, I'm getting music. Yay. Um, just going to take a breath and say thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit, for the opportunity to join together, for the opportunity to talk. I'm so grateful for those who are here today. I'm so grateful for thoughts, different insights that everyone brings. So blessed that we can be a part of this community. I'm so grateful. So willing to give up the fear in my life, so willing to offer up any thoughts of anger, hatred, there are just masks for fear, knowing that we are children of God, that we are open to love, we are open to the, having the experience of perfect love. We're willing to be willing to know that. And so I say thank you, and I send blessings and love to all my sisters and brothers on this broadcast, and allow it to be. So it is. Amen. Thank you, Phil. I was glad having you again. It was exciting to see you all today. And, um, yeah, I'll see you next week. I don't think anybody's on after me. I think we head over to Awakening together if anybody heads that way. But I am sending you all a virtual hug here. Let me see if I can get my little virtual hug in here. ACM gather. Right, yeah, Awakening together. There you go. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, yeah, there's no Awakening together tonight. Okay, well, then I will log off, and whoever wants to chit-chat can chit-chat. Lynn can say hi to us if she wants. (laughs) Bye, Iris. Bye, B, and Phil, and everybody else. (laughs) With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... 
Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.